This is the Trey Blocker Show, starring Charlie Hodge and Trey Blocker. And now, here's Trey Blocker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Trey Blocker Show. We are happy to have in the studio today Pastor Randy Phillips, founder of Life Austin Church here in Southwest Austin, and also founder of the award-winning contemporary Christian band Phillips, Craig, and Dean. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for uh, coming in the studio this morning to chat with us a little bit about Life Austin and, yeah. and Phillips, Craig, and Dean. Uh, just to give our audience a little bit of background on you, you have been married to your wife, Denise, for over 30 years. Long time. A long time. <laughs> you have two daughters, Garland and Lily Pearl. Yeah, I tried to get a good neutral sounding name yeah. that could play in the north or in the midwest, so Lily Pearl. Lily Pearl. <laughs> okay. Now, there, there's really got to be a good story there. Yes, there is. Uh, my grandmother's name was uh, Lily. Okay. And then my wife's grandmother's name was Pearl. Okay. So Lily Pearl, you know, had just loved the sound of that, and uh, I, it, it has so much heritage. Right. And it's meaningful, and so she's a combination of both of those. Gotcha. Very good. Personality-wise, too, huh? Definitely. Okay. <laughs> More like Lily than Pearl. <laughs> how old is Lily Pearl these days? Uh, Lily's 14. 14. And Garland's how old? She's 28. Okay. She got okay. married about a year ago. And uh, that boy, <laughs> mm, that boy, he is packing her up and moving her. Uh-oh. I'm so unhappy with him. I, I bet. Where to? Marshall, Texas. And do you know the big city you go to to let your hair down? Marshall, Texas. Uh, test my Texas geography. Charlie, I'm, Tyler? I'm going to say Odessa, maybe. <laughs> no, Shreveport. Shreveport. Shreveport um, would be your best, biggest city. Mm-hmm. So that's when you know, mm-mm. Mm. So, so what, what is taking them to Marshall, Texas? He's a football coach. Okay, all right. So football coaches are... Kind of transient, like That's right. pastors. <laughs> right, very true, very true. Well, I thought you for a second you were going to say he was taking her to Australia, well, or, okay. or somewhere yeah. awful like worse. Rhode Island or something. Yes, yes. Okay, so you so, helped me uh, okay. recalibrate my disappointment. <laughs> so I mean, it's a yeah, Texas is a big place, and it's it a is. long drive from Austin to Marshall, Texas, but it's not. It's not the north, northeast, and it's certainly not True. the other other hemisphere. Well, see, I know, I, I know why I came to this today. You've helped <laughs> me feel better about it. Good, good. Glad we could help. Glad we could help. So you are the son of a Pentecostal preacher. That's right. Did you grow up in Louisiana? Born there. Born in Louisiana. But my dad came to Austin. He was on his way to Dallas to start a church in Dallas. There was a small church in the Hyde Park area of Austin that said, would you come over and just fill in the pulpit for Sunday? Okay. So he did. And they said, could you stay Monday? And so he did. And this is back in the days where you used to have revivals. Right. I don't know if you remember right. sure. those, but it, you, sure. you just go all week. Could you stay Tuesday? And he did. That was 50 years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. He never left. So I started first grade here in Austin, and I've been here all my life. Oh, wow. Uh, I love this place. Uh, 
I've, when, when, I, when I started school here, Austin was 250,000 people. Mm. It's bigger now. It's changed a little bit. <laughs> Just a tad. Just a tad. Traffic's about the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly not getting any better, oh, it's yeah. despite all efforts, despite all efforts. Well, what spurred that change to grow the roots all of a sudden, traveling around, kind of a, a, a ministry based on the road, and all of a sudden take up roots, I mean, was the job meant to be permanent? Uh, for my dad? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he, as an evangelist, he was called an evangelist, an evangelist you don't have a home. You just kind of go church to church. Or, And when he came to Austin, there was something that arrested his heart. And the people, there was only about 40 of them, mm -hmm. and they were struggling so bad. Uh, he just said, you know, I'll, I'll stay a week. And then it was, I'll stay a month. And then uh, the city gets a hold of you. The city has a soul. That's right. And just fell in love with Austin. Who Who wouldn't? Everybody's oh, falling in love with Austin. Sure, sure. <laughs> and it just, you know, days turned into weeks, weeks, months, and the restless heart of an evangelist became a pastor. Mm -hmm. So it's the only city I've ever known. Right, right. So as the son of a preacher, um, was there a point in life where you thought, you know what, I'm going to be a baseball player, or I'm going to... I'm going to go be an engineer or a lawyer, or did you just always know this is what you were supposed to do? Well, my dad, uh, you know, I, I hang around a lot of preacher's kids mm -hmm. because I'm one. Uh, just, you know, that's the world that I've known. And I, I have, when I talk to other preacher's kids, they have so many horror stories. Their dad's one way in front of people or in the pulpit at home. He's a tyrant, he's a bully, mm. he's a hypocrite. So I see a lot of my peer preachers, kids, mm -hmm. friends, they just like, I don't want anything to do with that. Right. That wasn't my experience. My dad was authentic. He uh, full of integrity, passionately loved people, passionately helped people, uh, really invested in, in the work of God, wanted to see people's lives better. Right. And he just felt like the gospel was, was good news. It was good news when he presented it at church, and it was good news when he presented it at home. Sure. I never saw him different. He wasn't duplicious. He wasn't uh, flipping a switch. And it was so compelling to me. I loved yeah. it. So I wasn't repelled by it. Sure. I was attracted to it. Uh, there was a, you know, there was those moments when I went to college that. I was trying to figure out faith on my own, right? Because it was, you know, something I grew up of being spoon-fed, and then there was those moments where let's see if this is really real, and I had that uh, encounter for myself. But my dad, my mother, musical, creative, mm -hmm. fun—they uh, made it so compelling that it was just—it was not something I ever ran away from, but I was called to. So right. I just love it. Gotcha. Both of your parents were musical? Yes. Well, my dad, my dad's interesting. He can't sing at all. <laughs> uh, I don't know if he's listening right now. I guess he will. But uh, Hopefully so. He, he can't sing, but he's, he's a creative. Okay. He's a, uh, he understands music. It's the weirdest thing. He'll say to me, that's in the wrong key. And huh. I think to myself, how would you know that? <laughs> but sure enough, 
it's in the wrong He's key. Right. He'll say, that, was, that sounds flat. And I'll think to myself, well, what would you know about flat and sharp? And he was right. <laughs> so uh, he's, a, he's a tremendous orator, okay. a wordsmith. Right. So the combination of having that, plus my mother is musical. Uh, ever since she was a little girl, she played uh, piano, B3 Hammond organ. You have never heard the B3 Hammond organ played like my mother. She is <laughs> fantastic. And you know, she, my dad will speak, and when she feels like he needs to go ahead and wrap up, <laughs> she'll go get on the organ, nice. and he'll bring it to a close. <laughs> and I remember, one, <laughs> I remember one time in church, uh, she felt like he'd gone long enough. Right. So she went over there and got on the B3 Hammond organ, <laughs> and he turned to her and he said, Wanda, that's her name, Wanda, I know what you're doing. I'm not through yet. <laughs> Get back off that organ. <laughs> you know, I think if most pe more people had someone to play them off the stage, that's right. It wouldn't be that's a right. bad thing. Uh -huh. you know? Some closing music that just starts coming in. And in closing, wrap it up, folks. <laughs> so, did your mother teach you to play the organ or the keys? No, I, I, sadly, I wasn't attracted to that. I okay. was more interested in percussion and drums. Oh, okay. So okay. I'm a drummer, An percussionist, and uh, I don't know, a lot of beating and banging, but <laughs> I just grew up loving music. Right. Uh, my dad, even though he was a, a you know, pretty conservative preacher, he would always bring into the house Motown music, uh, Ray Charles, Aretha, mm -hmm. uh, gospel stuff, uh, Temptations. That's where that organ came from. And that's that's all that that the, the Pentecostal roots they have in there embedded in there is soulful music, <laughs> and uh, I just grew up on that stuff. So he would play country. We had Willie Nelson stuff. We had it was a wide spectrum. Right. That's what made my dad really interesting and gave me such a love for music. So when did you first discover that you had a voice and that you could sing? They tell me that when my dad would evangelize all around the country, that they would, uh, they would go into a restaurant, and I was three, four, and they would sit, uh, stand me up on the table, and all the waitresses would come around, and I would sing. <laughs> and uh, and then I try to take an offering, of course. <laughs> Never miss an opportunity to take an offering. <laughs> That's right. That's Payable right. in ice cream. So 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 it all started because you were trying to impress the ladies. I guess so. Yes, and I still am. <laughs> so fast forward uh, in 1991, you formed Phillips Craig and Dean. I did. What was the impetus for this? Well, trying to uh, see if there is there something. I grew up in church. Uh, the other two guys, Dan Dean, Sean Craig, both friends of mine, mm -hmm. they grew up in church. They're preachers' kids. I just kind of knew them from my church circles, and they were just they're just phenomenal people. But they're also tremendous writers, creatives, singers, and so one day I just said, I wonder. If I got these guys together, we could do something. And here was my big goal. 
create an album and sell enough to pay for it. That was my big goal. <laughs> We're still That's trying to recoup. <laughs> and so I got the guys together and I said, let's do two or three songs, put it on a demo here. And right. we did. And I sent them to some people in Nashville that I knew. They listened to them and they said, man, uh, come up here. So I flew up to Nashville and they said, uh, how many songs do you guys have? I said, three. Can you put together a showcase for us? I said, I, I guess I could. I don't even know what that is. Right. And they said, well, it's like a concert. I said, well, we know three songs. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a short concert. It's going to be real short. And we're doing intermission. <laughs> so uh, we put together 10 songs, went up to Nashville. Uh, Reba McIntyre was there. Oh, wow. And her husband at the time. Okay. And it was a very eclectic group of radio uh, people and uh, record people, and we were terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. We couldn't remember the words. Oh, no. Oh, no. We... Nerves got to you. Yeah. Huh? And it, and that audience is tough. I mean, they've seen everything, heard everything. Right. We're not going to impress them. So we just thought, this is a disaster. So after it was over, people were kind. I just, we just went, came back to Texas, and about two weeks went by, and one of the guys called me and said, well, have you heard from them? And I said, no. <laughs> he said, well, why don't you call up there and just thank them for letting us come in? So I, I called the record uh, president, record company president. I said, hey, I just want to thank you for letting us come up there. I know it didn't work out, but thank you for the opportunity. He said, what are you talking about? Didn't work out. Let's make a record. Oh, wow. That was 25 years ago. Well, and in those 25 years, you've had over 20 number one hits. 25. Right? 25. Okay. Nobody's counting. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, interestingly, when I was reading the background, and you know, I kind of searched all over the internet for some background on, on uh, Phillips, Craig, and Dean, and interesting, one article described uh, you all as the male version of Wilson Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then and then uh, another article describes you as an adult version of the Backstreet Boys. Wow! Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if you've one. seen any of this, <laughs> yeah. but it's on the internet. Oh, you might well, want to scrub that stuff. Yeah, it must be true. Uh, to, today, you're known more as a, a praise and worship band. So, tell us what the difference is between the music that you were doing in the '90s and the music that you're doing today. In the '90s, it was a, a Pop music was uh, infiltrating and sonically changing Christian music. Christian mm -hmm. music was kind of southern gospel and some some black gospel, but mainstream mu uh, radio music, it was just really taking shape. So you had Amy Grant right. and Michael W. Smith and some of those people that were really, it was crossing over. And uh, we came on at that time and at that time, you didn't say the name of Jesus. Uh, they were real strategic about, let's not say the name Jesus. Let's like just, wink, wink, nudge, yeah, nudge. Let's say you, uh, you know, you, I, I love you. Let's don't say I love you, Lord, or I love you, Jesus. So let's, they were kind of uh, sterilizing the lyrics so that it would play to both a secular audience and a Christian audience. Sure. Well, that's not who we were. We just straight up church boys. Right. So 
we just said, let's just be us. And it was the three-part harmony that's kind of forged in that uh, country meets gospel, meets contemporary. It's just that blend, the harmonies. It just was something that we were just straight up, <clears throat> just straight up Christian. And we just, I remember there's a song called, favorite song of all, it became a number one song for us. And uh, the guy, Dan Dean, who wrote it, uh, he was just warming up his vocal in front of the mic. And uh, right before he started singing, he just said, I love you, Jesus. And the, the producer kept it. We thought he would just, you know, they would throw that off, but he, he kept it, and it's on the album. And most uh, at radio at that time, Christian radio, which was really getting big, it's the first time they'd heard the word Jesus on Christian radio. Wow. In years. And uh, to, to this day, when I hear that song and I hear him say that, uh, it touches my heart. What's the name of the song? Favorite song of all. Okay. I just picture someone in that radio station running down the hall with a piece of paper. He said, Jesus, <laughs> I can't believe it. Man, the phones. You know, they were, they were, it was. 91 was a crazy time. I Not know. just for that kind of music, but the no hats country. And then, I mean, rap was coming around. There I know. Was, the music industry got turned on its ear in a lot of great ways. And, and I don't mean to belittle uh, Christian music or uh, say anything was untoward. They were trying to take it mainstream. Sure. And uh, they did a great job. It's just, we were just pretty straight ahead. And so now it, uh, we always had a desire to lead worship music in on the records, but the record companies wouldn't let us. They said it's not time and radio won't play it. And we had tremendous radio favor right out of the box. Uh, Dallas station, the biggest station, Christian music, KLTY, played our first single in heavy. Put it didn't it didn't go you know mid, you know or light mid heavy. They just put it into heavy and right. just played it nonstop. Well, all the radio stations followed suit, and it was the craziest thing. Uh, what happened? The Lord gave us favor. So our record company said, "No, we don't want you to do worship right now. Just don't think it's time." But we always felt like that's who we were. So when we got an opportunity to do it, uh, it it really changed everything for us and put uh, new air in our sails. And it's true to who we are. Sure. So in 2006, you released the album "Top of My Lungs." Yes. And you you were quoted as as saying, and I want to read this quote: uh, "Top of my lungs." This is you speaking. "Top of my lungs" represents the kind of praise and worship we want to be a part of, the kind of worship that holds nothing back. It's everything out on the table because God deserves nothing less. Great songs compel you to sing fresh, deep, magnificent, and strong lyrics about the goodness of God. They beg you to sing them as loud and with as much passion as you can. That's a good, who said that? Apparently you did. Oh, good. <laughs> it was on the internet. It was <laughs> on the internet. True. And uh, you know, I have to tell you, with all due respect, Pastor Randy, God does not want me singing as loud as oh, I can. Oh, come on now. I promise you. It's yes, awful. he does. It's awful. You sing and, in the shower, you sing in the car. Well, I sing in your church, and the reason I, I love your church <laughs> is because the music is loud, and yes, nobody can hear me sing. <laughs> that is the good thing well, about it. we're creating a chapel. 
<laughs> and it's almost finished and that chapel uh, uh, is to emphasize, de-emphasize the music and more emphasize the vocals. It'll uh -oh. be ready in August. Uh -oh. So I want you there front and center. Oh, yeah. I want to hear that voice of yours. We're going to run everybody out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that's a good thing. Come on now. <laughs> uh, you know, my girlfriend, who was very honest to me, said, you know, you might want to sing a little quiet. <laughs> so, love her to death. Well, we'll set you up good. We'll me. put you around good singers. Okay. Well, that chapel's not the only thing you've got going on. No, sir. There's a lot going on out there. Uh, we built an amphitheater, which is nuts. Churches don't do that. It's, right. uh, it was a $6 million endeavor. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It's got a covered roof, and it was to celebrate the arts. Since I grew up loving the arts, uh, live in the greatest city in the world that expresses the arts, music. And this is on your campus in Oak Hill. Yeah, it is. And so I said, what if we, uh, so people in Austin aren't going to go to church. Right now they don't. It's, I think it's one in ten that go to church in Austin. There's just so many great other options. <laughs> and uh, faith don't really, it's, it's a blip on the radar. Right. Don't mean they're bad people, just like church isn't that big a deal. So I said, how else can we pique people's interest in the area of faith? Mm -hmm. And one of the ways was to build this amphitheater. So you would come, we had Charlie Daniels up there. Right. He's 80 years old. That was extraordinary. But somebody might come hear Charlie Daniels that wouldn't, come to church. But when they get on the property, perhaps it starts a conversation mm -hmm. of like, what is this place? What do you do here? What is this about? So it's a lost leader. It's, um, <laughs> it's where... I'm not sure he'd put it that way. Charlie. It's where somebody begins <laughs> to just have a conversation. I didn't know church could be like this. Right. I didn't know church could be this much fun. Sure. And so uh, just opening the top of the funnel for people's faith experience. And that, that amphitheater has been so much fun. It's a beautiful facility. Thank you. And, and so to give our audience a little bit of background, you formed Promised Land West back in 2005 with about 80 folks. That's right. Right. And in, in six very short years, uh, your congreg congregation grew to close to 3,000 people. Does that sound about right? I, I Somewhere so. around there. Yeah. And, and in 2007, you purchased the 68 acres that we're talking about down in southwest Austin, yes. around Oak Hill, and, and begin building down there. And in 2012, you, you became Life Austin. What, what's, the, what's the size now? I mean, I've been down there. It's a beautiful campus. Thank you. A beautiful sanctuary, um, a great amphitheater. So you've grown rapidly. What do you attribute that to? Uh, an authentic... Um, encounter with Jesus. Nothing phony, nothing fake. Uh, we, we understand we're broken and that we need a Savior. And so that's the first thing that we celebrate. So there's no phoniness there, there's nobody judging anybody. <clears throat> it's broken people trying to help other broken people. Mm -hmm. And so the broken become healed and the healed become healers. And so I stand up there every Sunday, and I'm the most broken person in the building. So I just like, uh, you know, I blew it this week. Uh, you know, I describe what that is perhaps. Uh, I talk about my marriage, mm -hmm. how it was uh, nearly broken. 
I didn't know if I was gonna if it was gonna last. I, I talk about faith crisis. I talk about why does why do bad things happen to really good people? Right. And just real authentic conversations. And I think it, it so liberates people mm -hmm. that I didn't know you could say this out loud. I didn't know you could say this at church. Right. And then to experience the goodness of the Lord. You know, when you pour out your brokenness to the Lord, He fills it with His mercy and grace. So I wanted to call it Life Austin because it's life-giving. And we wanted to just step out of the shadows of what everybody thinks about religion and celebrate an authentic encounter with the Lord. Well, the, the vision is taken hold. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned in Austin, there are a lot of other things for people to do. They can go to church on Sunday. They can go down to the Green Belt, go out on Tam yep. Town Lake and paddle a paddleboard. Um, and, and if you look at the statistics, it seems as if Christianity nationwide is on a decline. But at the same time, while we see those statistics, we also see this rise uh, in growth in churches such as Life Austin, like Austin Stone here as well. So how do you, how do those two make sense? I mean, is it just the fact that you're being more, more authentic? It's a come as you are type of experience? Is that, is that what accounts for that? It is, and people that encounter it find life. And so their faith awakens. Uh, so we have an acronym uh, ACTS acts. The T is for transformation. We live to see everyone's lives transformed by the power of Jesus. So what does a transformed life look like? A would be awakened spiritually. There's a spiritual component of everyone listening, of everyone who's ever lived. It's a, it's a divine fingerprint of God. And uh, when you become awakened to that fact that your body, soul, and spirit you're two-thirds more spiritual than you are physical. And when that becomes a, a moment where you're awakened to that, it's beautiful. C of the acronym is connect and authentic relationships. So I say to you, you've had experiences in life. You've had brokenness. You've had triumphs. Could I partner you with someone who's experienced a brokenness right now? Right. And so you step into somebody's life. And uh, it's so fulfilling. And then the S of Acts is to serve the community and beyond. So very missional. Mm -hmm. We give millions of dollars away to great organizations in the community. Uh, we, we call them our strategic partners. So we say, who's knocking the ball out of the park in Austin, Texas, in the area of homelessness, uh, abuse, uh, sex trafficking, any of those uh, issues. Right. Who's really doing it well? Instead of us competing with them, let's just throw gasoline on the fire they've already built. Mm -hmm. Sure. So that's the S part, and and then we we put human resources and financial resources in it. And I think uh, when that when that trifold kind of uh, trifecta of transformation happens to a person, it's attractive. So somebody like you would, would come to Life Austin and you know, like, the people would comment about you and say, have you lost weight? Have you, uh, <laughs> what have you done? You're just different. You seem different. What's right. different about you? And all it is, is we introduced you to an authentic relationship with Jesus and you became awakened. Sure. 
And it influences how you treat yourself, how you treat your friends, and even how you treat your enemies. Right, right. So what, uh, when, you, when you cross somebody, I mean, a lot of people are intimidated by, by going to church, and, and, and they feel like there's a lot of judgment when you walk through the door, right? And, and the best quote I think I've ever seen uh, to kind of change the way people think about that is someone said, you know, church is a hospital for sinners, yeah. not a museum for saints. Oh, that's good. Right? I like and, that. And so, uh, you know, I'm constantly, I, I've got friends who, who don't go to church very often. I feel like they're intimidated. Uh, what, what suggestion would you give to me uh, when I'm talking to those friends and trying to encourage them to, to come to Life Austin and check it out? Everybody has those moments in life where you've, you kind of look up to God and you either say, why? Why me? Or why did you allow this to happen? Or you say, help me. But it, it's that awakening. Sometimes you just, your education, your, your academia, your, your financial resources, your contact list, sometimes you just come to the end of something. Right. And it could be where the doctor says to you, this isn't good. Or where someone you love says, I don't want to be part of your life anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just those moments in life that we all get. And you just wonder, where do I turn? Mm -hmm. I think those are the prime moments that we say, come, um, let us introduce you to something. And they, sometimes they stumble in there, and sometimes they walk willingly in there. And however you come in the doors, what you find is this is nothing like what I expected. Right. This is so life-giving. Right. And um, so I just say, do you, do you feel like you're flourishing? No. Well, why don't we try something different? And just give it a try. And listen, if this doesn't work for you, in, in 30 days, we'll refund your misery. <laughs> we'll give your misery back in 30 days. But give us a try right. for 30 days. Sure. And see what you think. We, we started a campus at Austin City Limits. Mm -hmm. I've been to it. And uh, she, so, there's a, so there's the Willie Nelson smoke, and then there's the Holy Smoke. <laughs> we brought the Holy Smoke. <laughs> it is so, so neat because we have a great music band down there. They're right. great. Right. And the message is, is my message uh, on the screen. But people just come in off, you know, they, they're just walking down the street and they hear the music. They come in. This is church because you've got dogs <laughs> sitting there. Right. You've got people in shorts. So your plan kind of worked. It I mean, did. When you, the 68 acres, you said you thought it would just it'd be a, a way to bring people in and have all these amenities. And to grow from 80 to 3,000, do you contribute most of the growth to neighborhood folks wandering in or these people of faith that moved here specifically? I mean, are you converting neighbors? Well, um, I think once someone who was broken gets healed and people that love that person sees the transformation or just see someone spiritually awakened for the first time, like, you're going to church? <laughs> you're doing what? It, it, that ripple effect attracts their friends, they their loved ones, and they want some of that. Like, what, what, tell me about this. Sure. Because it's not phony. It's not a, a mask you're putting on. 
you're not doing church. It's an authentic relationship and it's changing you. Mm -hmm. And when people recognize that, they're like, well, well, where is this now? And so they come in. So I think it's, uh, it's attractional. Right. The music's really good. Incredible. The you got preaching a great, is not so good. You got a great keyboardist, by the way. Clay yes, Korn. we do. Clay, Clay, Korn. Clay Korn is really good at what he does. I love Clay. Uh, well, how often do you get approached by fans, too? Because you've walked this line of a pastor, but also you're a celebrity. You can't, well, I mean, you can't have a musical group that, that's been around since 91 and has all these number one hits without also being a celebrity. Do people come get your autograph? Well, they do. <laughs> they do. And, and I go to the lobby after each service and they'll, you know, particularly if there's a song on the radio at that time that's touching people's hearts or they're enjoying, they'll come up and say, it's, it's very humbling for people to say, this particular song got me through a tough time or this particular song helped me love Jesus more. That's, that's humbling. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, people do come up and they're very kind. And I love to... I love to talk to people about it. Sure. I'm part of their life. Right. Absolutely. The Lord helped me to do that. Right. So I was, I was down there a couple of weeks ago, and you are in the final phases of your, your wedding chapel. That's right. Which is a beautiful, beautiful facility. I can't wait to see it when it's done. But uh, after your sermon, you mentioned that you were um, offering up, and I don't know if you put this in the form of a raffle, you'll have to correct me where I make this, <laughs> this mistake here, but you offered up that as soon as it was completed, you were going to do a bunch of free yes. uh, wedding services. Yes, and for, free wedding free, weekend. Free wedding weekend, and for so some for reason... So they're for pop-up weddings. Okay. People that just don't want to go through the trauma and the <laughs> expense and the just, you know, it is, it is expensive and traumatic. <laughs> oh, that is a fact. Lord. And it just, so it's for people who, so modern, it's people that just like, Hey, we're, we love each other. We're exclusive with each other. 20 years from now, I want to be with you. Mm -hmm. It's for that couple that's either currently together, uh, just don't want the hassle of all that goes into right just like come don't over have to here. go to vegas no we're going to be the chapel for you yeah it's going to be great music uh we're going to do the ceremony it'll be beautiful just 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 give me an hour of your time it's kind of like a timeshare <laughs> i need an hour of your time so i want to get in front of you for little, one hour a little premarital discussion premarital, little premarital counseling okay. have you thought about this have you thought about this so i kind of present the six really tough points that every covenant encounters. And so those those six points, and I just walk you through it, and I'm like, let's get married. So what are those six, real quick? Oh! <laughs> you got we're, me on the we're, spot. We're running low on, on time. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I don't know if you could hear it from yes, the stage. My girlfriend and I were way back in the back, because uh, we kind of like to be able to see everything. But as soon as you mentioned this free wedding weekend, she started clearing her throat real loud. <laughs> <clears throat> and I, I have no that. idea. I thought she just had a yeah. frog in her throat. You know, throat sometimes allergies are bad here. Yeah, it's allergies. Definitely <laughs> must have been allergies. <laughs> well, there's, uh, there's, there's finances. Sure. That's, That's a always a tough one. Uh, there's communication. How do you communicate? There's family issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's physical intimacy, and then there's non-physical intimacy. That's a whole 
different thing. And then there's faith. Those are the six that I see people really, they get sideways with each other pretty quick. Sure. So we kind of address those and say, have you thought about these and uh, how are you going to address them? And just give you things to talk about. Right. So right. how many of those you think you're, you've navigated? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think we're doing pretty well. Okay. I think we, we, we have a good open conversation. Right. I don't want this to turn into online counseling here. <laughs> I mean, on-air counseling, I mean. Uh, so I'm going to change the subject now. Okay. Um, well, and actually, we're running out of time. How convenient is that for me? Well, that's, uh, yeah, you, you did that <laughs> well. Something fishy all of a sudden. Uh, yeah, seriously. I really uh, enjoyed this. Pastor Randy Phillips, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, as you well know, we like to end each episode with some words of wisdom from our guest. Um, if, if you have anything you'd like to share with our audience, we'd, we'd love to hear it. Well, thank you. Um, I think one of the things that challenges me as a pastor and uh, just interacting with people is uh, the words of Jesus when he was on the cross. He, he spoke seven times. And so if you've only, you know, the, the final words of someone are very important. If he's going to speak seven times, you only got seven things left to say. What is the first one out of your mouth? And he says, Father, forgive them or they don't know what they're doing. I've always thought that was curious because of course they knew what they were doing. They've been planning this for years. But the Lord says, no, they don't, they don't know why they're doing it. So I learned from that this important lesson, and for those of you listening, that people are not against you. They're just for themselves. Hmm. And it helped me not to take things so personal. People are not against you. They're just for themselves. Right. So if that helped anybody, there you go. I'm sure it did. Uh, Pastor Randy Phillips, Life Austin Church, thank you for coming in today. Thank you. And thank you for sharing your message with our audience. We typically close out our episodes with some fancy outgoing music and a fancy Charlie Hodge uh, outtake. <laughs> but if you don't mind, I'm going to play the song that you mentioned earlier, a uh, favorite song of all in this you. episode. This has been the Trey Blocker Show. If you like what you heard, please visit TreyBlocker.com for more episodes and a chance to donate and support the show. Thank you for listening. When it all